I used to be known as a jack of all trades, which I thought was bad, until I realized that I'm really a hedgehog and I love it. Hey, this is Michelle Spive, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as I talk about the quest to be a hedgehog. I'll see you soon. Yeah, it's true. I used to be from pillar to post trying to have every experience that came my way. I was highly inquisitive and my voracious uh, appetite to know stuff was just overwhelming. And it used to drive my family crazy. Now, as an adult who has had some time to mellow and simmer, I can look back and I can just shake my head and say, oh boy, I would not have liked to have been the parent trying to raise me. You see, it wasn't because I was brilliant or any of that kind of stuff. Nope. It was because I had this drive. Now, I found out that the drive that I had was best described when I got my little hands on a book series called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I started realizing that I was an entrepreneur and that I was always trying to find out more because I loved to fix and solve problems and have a ready answer that would work. But that was later on. When I was growing up, it was a problem because I was interested in a lot of different things. And so I tended to overextend myself. And because now... If you're into astrology or whatever, people might say it's my Capricornian energy that makes me, you know, not give up and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I have a Taurus in my uh, mid-house, you know, my career house or whatever. I, I don't know about all that. What I'm going to say is that, yeah, I think because I had been raised with a good work ethic and when I gave my word to try to get something done, I was on the hook to get it done you know, come what may. And my mom would sometimes tell me, nope, you cannot volunteer for another thing. Nope, you can't do another thing. You know, I I was on uh, my uh, student council. I was a major in my band. I was in my concert band. I was playing tennis uh, for a while there. Uh, Now you have to remember all of this When I was younger, I was mowing lawns with my sister. And then when I turned 15, I was going to beauty school uh, after school on the weekends. So it was, it was so, it was too much. It it really was. Uh, But I did have parents who were willing to give me enough leeway to try to help me to get some self-discovery on a lot of uh, lessons that they knew that I would not accept if they just told me no. Now, sometimes they put their foot down. They really did. And uh, my mother would go on to say that she probably should have put her foot down faster because I just wouldn't give up. And she was like, you're just tenacious and you just wouldn't stop. And, you know, it, it was what it was. But I'm not saying that to say I was a wild child. Maybe I was. I'm not trying to say that to say that I was great because I definitely wasn't. But what I can say was that I was determined and I still continue to be determined. My mother and my grandparents gave me a great uh, education. They taught me to love knowledge, to seek it out and to do something with it. And I think it was that last part that really got me on to the track that I would go on. 
my grandmother would always tell me, she's like, you're like a, a worm in hot ashes. You just can't be still. You just got to be moving from pillar to post. <laughs> and I'm, I'm even laughing because I can hear it in her in her mind right now. You see, y'all, it wasn't that I was driven just because. I was driven for a purpose. I had this purpose that I could make a difference. And it wasn't that corny uh, in my mind. No, in my mind, when I saw someone and they had a deficiency or they had a need or they couldn't solve a problem, I'd be like, well, it's right in front of you. You just do this, this, and this. And I've told y'all about that word, just. I've, I've come to understand it is a diabolical little four-letter word. And why is it that four-letter words usually have the most energy behind them, good or bad? But that's for another time. Today, I'm talking about this here jack of all trades. So um, when I started my journey past high school for getting education, I did the same thing. I did everything. And even when I was in my undergrad, I started out in a pre-medical chemistry degree program. I didn't change my program until my senior year when I discovered I don't want to be a doctor. I don't like blood and bodily fluids. No joke, hand to God, y'all. That was it. My mother was livid because at first I told her, I said, I'm going to be a music major. And she was like, you can't even sing that well. She hurt my feelings, but it's okay. And so to appease my mother and not do the the music that I wanted, because I, I even started taking uh, music classes. Now, y'all seem to forget that I had a scholarship in music to the very university that my mother was telling me I should not be trying to do music with. It was a voice scholarship, people. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not going to waste my precious time today with you listening to me ranting on and raving about something that I'll never get settled because my mama has gone on to wherever she's going to go. Hopefully it was glory. So let me get back to this here, Jack of all trades, because I want to tell you something today. I want to tell you something because I am seeing it all over. And uh, as I am want to do, I want to try to give you a little information that maybe will help you a little bit better. All right. Because what I found out was that what we used to call a Jack of all trades in yesteryear became a general specialist. And now it has become a hedge fox. Now, listen to me. Give, give me a moment to set this up. I've talked about this book. Well, I've talked about a few books over and over again that I believe are a really good curriculum for uh, getting your boundaries, perimeter, container, whatever you want to call it, of how you can go about uh, increasing your ability to be better at being you. And these are not necessarily self-help books in, you know, just the positive psychology aspect, but I am going to be giving a shout out to one of the fathers of positive psychology today. Oh, believe you me, I will be doing that today. But let me just tell you real quick. So there's this book called Curious, and it was by this reporter, written by this reporter by the name of Ian Leslie. And he did a really great job of setting up a history as well as a knowledge. And so he talked about how people, uh, how children learn. He talked about it in uh, 
third world countries as well as first world countries. He talked about the database of learning of how people succeed and how it really doesn't have anything to do with how fast you're able to process in certain intelligences. And y'all know I talked in a different podcast about um, the godfather of intelligence uh, as we know it today, who moved us past just a general IQ. And, you know, so you can go back and check that one out where I talked about the nine different intelligences that they, that they now deal with in today's society. And there could be more because, you know, they always change and stuff. But this book, Curious, was really good because it finally started helping me and others understand why we were so um, driven to know so much stuff. And um, it, it was it was just eye opening. So he he relates this study that they started doing of people, and what they did was is they looked at people who were trivial. And when I say trivial, I am not talking about just lower level because y'all got to remember trivia is the goddess. Yeah, she's a goddess, and so um, trivia does not mean that it's just uh, lower based information. So they looked at people who knew a wide range of stuff. In other years, they would have called that person a Renaissance person. Okay. Um, In uh, my mother's time, they called them jack of all trades. And that was not a good thing because they prided being a specialist or an expert. So much so that if you look at the baby boomer generation that my mother was from, when you told them that you knew something, unless you were an expert, they did not believe it. Don't believe me? Check out the way they used to advertise to them. What's the famous toothpaste to get people to use fluoride-infused toothpaste? What is it? Nine out of 10 dentists say. And that was appealing to their need to have an expert because you know, their parents had raised them, their parents uh, coming out of that striver generation who had lived through the Great the Great Depression and the Second World War. And they were the first to really benefit from industry and from being uh, able to finally have their quote unquote nuclear family. And you have to also understand that these people were the first real recipients of the broad spread uh, consumer behavioral tactics that were taught by Edward Bernays, the godfather of PR. He was the reason why they believed you should have a car every two years and that you should have two in your garage. They were the, you know, and so it just went on and on and on. But let me go back to this evolution of where we are now with these hedge boxes and why it's a good thing and why I, I believe that many of us are hedge foxes unawares. Okay, so back to this book, Curious. So in the book, he, he talks about how they started doing research to look at people who were specialists or experts in a field and people who were generalists, who knew trivial stuff. Okay, so we got that set up, right? And to drive the point home, he used a really good uh, metaphoric relation, and that was of a hedgehog and a fox. You see, a hedgehog is a digger. They are a subterranean uh, animal and they go down in the ground and they dig very, very deep and they burrow in. They are um, 
their their main goal is to get down into the coolness of the earth deep below the layers where they can get to different mineral deposits and things like that. Okay, so you've got this hedgehog who burrows. Then you've got this fox. And the fox, they call the fox very clever because the fox is swift, fast, and is able to infiltrate small spaces, run fast across a field. They are um, they they know the terrain really well. So if you look at a fox as compared to a hedgehog, a hedgehog occupies a small amount or circumference, whereas a fox can be anywhere. They can hide in hollow holes, uh, uh, hollowed out uh, logs, holes, you name it. They are like they they call them clever. All right. So let's go back to this jack of all trades, master of none, because that was the that was the end part. That was the add on part. You know, master of all trades. uh, I mean, excuse me, jack of all trades, but a master of none. Well, I beg to differ. (laughs) And the reason why I beg to differ is because of a few things. So the one thing that I was really thankful for is that I was uh, brought up young enough to have experienced the explosion of the internet. And with the internet came search engines and with the search engines came uh, Google. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, in this book, uh, Curious, Mr. Leslie, he drags Google for, he drags them for filth, y'all. He says they're making you stupid. And yeah, if you are basing it on a previous time, uh, it will quote unquote make you stupid. But if you base it on uh, our time now and how much information we have at our disposal, Google to me is just an effective, efficient tool. Now, yeah, it can make some people stupid where they don't feel like they have to retain any fact. I do get that. But for the most part, with all the gazillions of content and info coming out each day, and now we can have it have global access, I think it's still um, something to be said for, for Google. So you got this kind of thing going on. Whereas your parents or our parents or grandparents even had the Dewey Decimal System in their local library. You couldn't just march up. You still can't. You couldn't just drive up to MIT's library and say, oh, I'm going to check your books out or I'm, you know, or I'm going to just go in here and get all your information. No, the um, information up into the advent of the internet was behind either a paywall or a um, club. And that club would be a university or uh, some type of society. And either you pay dues or something. So you just couldn't get in there. So going back to this whole hedge fox thing, they started noticing that, yes, it used to be where you either had a specialist where they burrowed down like the hedgehog and went deep into what they knew. And that's all they were focused on. They couldn't tell you much of anything else, but they knew their subject. And they looked at the wide people who knew a little bit about a lot. And they went wide. Um, Ian Leslie talks about the letter uh, capital T of the English language, the alphabet T, a capital T. And he said that that is the new representation of a hedge fox because as far or wide that you want to draw the horizontal top of that T, you can do it 
as vertically long and down as you'd like as well. And now that we have this access, and now that we have the ability to talk to people and share ideas in a common setting via the internet, we are developing more hedge foxes. So say, for instance, in this particular five-year period, you want to be an expert at gaming. And so you burrow deep down into that gaming. The funny part is, is because of the community you're in, they're going to make references to social things uh, because the gaming community has a very healthy social uh, um, uh, understanding and cultural influences. So it's going to almost force you to come out of that hole of just being a gamer so that you can even communicate with the people who you either game with or game against. Also, a lot of the way a lot of the ways the games are made now uh, cause you to have to know certain things. So for instance, yeah, you might think, okay, gaming theory, strategy, um, even agriculture, if you're wanting to do civilization building and all that. And y'all trust me, I'm not a gamer, so this is just from a um, observer's advantage. But think about uh, when you're going into the, into games, and I don't want to call any games right now, but I'm thinking of a few where they make use of um, trendy dances. Uh, they make use of trendy music and all of those cultural things. And if you are only about the mechanics and the execution of being a great gamer, you're not going to be able to do it if you are not willing to learn all this other stuff. So therefore, it forces you, if you are going to be a great gamer, it forces you now to be a hedge fox where you can go down real deep, but the deeper you go down, the wider your knowledge has got to be because you, if you're going to be a, a specialist in this, you've got to be able to deal with all the different generalists out there that are going to come for your title. Okay, so let's look at this from a different way. Some of the books that... Um, I think have been influential, have helped people to figure out how to concentrate and how to become more focused. There is a book by uh, a professor I really enjoy. I talked about one of his other books on another podcast the other day called So Good um, They Can't Ignore You. And it's by Dr. Cal Newport. He has another book that is really good and it is called Deep Work. And what he does is, is he shows you how to focus on uh, doing your task in a distracted world. Um, he really does a lot of talk about and he highlights a lot of different uh, world-renowned people who just totally ignore email or they don't have an email and they make it hard for you to contact them so that they can focus. But for the other people like most of us who do have to have email and talk to people to get our work done, he gives some really great um, spreadsheets and things of how, and he, he uses it from a personal case study of when he had to get uh, his curriculum, his lessons, you know, because he's a teaching professor, his research, as well as his books done. And so I liked it because not only did he give us a lot of different theories for that, but he gave us an example of how he was using this concept of deep work. 
Now, as I was reading the Deep Work book, it had reminiscence of other books like Peak, which is another one that I have talked about. Peak has been the impetus for a lot of uh, work by Malcolm Gladwell, uh, where this it was um, this uh, deliberate work process of practice, excuse me, deliberate practice, uh, where you got the 10,000 hours concept from that Malcolm Gladwell uh, picked up and ran with it. So it was found in that book uh, by work done by uh, Dr. Anders Erickson and a colleague. And then flow. Now flow, this one was uh, Dr. Now y'all wait for it. This is his real name, Mihai Chink Sink Mihai. And he wrote a book called Flow. And this was the process that people started understanding how you get into a flow. And like I said before, a lot of books have sat on the shoulders of these two works, plus some more. And uh, Mihai Ching Sikmahai is a uh, uh, godfather of uh, positive psychology. And he came up with a, uh, a groundbreaking uh, example to show you how to get in flow. And he was, and what he said was the higher the skill level. So he did it on an X, Y axis. Let's just, let's just put it out there like that. So on the X axis, that's the horizontal one at the bottom. He had your skill level and he had it from low to high. And then on the Y axis, that's the vertical one going up and down y'all. He had a challenge level. And so he was able to plot where flow was. So based on where your skill level was and how challenging it was, he could pinpoint how people got into flow. And on this chart, he had things like if you had a low skill level, but a low challenge level, it was apathy. You didn't care. But if you had a low skill level and a medium uh, level of challenge, you were worried. But if you were low level in your skill and the challenge was high, it was full out anxiety. So straight up in the middle on each one of those, either you were going to be bored or the higher you went, you were going to be aroused. But then when we go on the side of um, high skill level, on the low level of a high skill, you were relaxed. So you could, you could like driving. You have a high skill level of driving and you're on an open country road, you were good. If you moved that challenge level up a little bit, you were in control. But it was when you had a high skill level with a high challenge level that you got into flow. Now I was like, what? But you see it all the time. You see like, and, and another thing, people love watching folks in their flow. So I watched this, uh, video the other day of a Japanese dancer who uh, is touted for her concentration. And she did a demonstration on a show where she started with a feather and she balanced the feather on her finger. And then she continued to pick up pieces of wood that almost looked like elegant uh, pieces of driftwood. So they weren't heavy, but they were long. So they were, they were uh, long pieces of driftwood. That's what I'll say. And so she took piece after piece where she would put the feather on the first one and then she would balance it 
and then pick up another piece without ever dropping any of it or looking away from the feather, mind you. She used her feet. She used the side of her body to get those pieces up. And when she got through, it looked like um, an upside down hull of a ship, the bones of an of a old uh, boat or a ship with a feather balancing on the original piece. And everybody was like, whoa. And it was, I believe it was for some type of competition where people do amazing things. And people were mesmerized. You could hear her breathing because it was so quiet in there. And what people were seeing, they were seeing uh, what uh, Mihai, Chink Sink Mihai would talk about was flow. Now, for her to be able to do that, she had to first be a generalist. And then become a specialist because not only did she have to understand concentration, but she had to use her body, which she was a dancer. She had to understand uh, physics uh, for torque and pressure. She had to understand uh, her elements uh, for uh, the environment because working with those types of materials Wood expands or contracts depending on the temperature of your environment. I could go on and on and on listing all the different things that she had to be able to uh, understand and compensate for to be able to, to pull that feet off. So she was a hedge fox. And most people say, oh, well, you know, you should specialize and you should do this. And now, do you know what they're teaching people who are running businesses? They're telling them, basically, you need to be a hedge fox. And that means that you need to know enough about every part of your job so that when you hire someone who's supposed to be better than you at doing that particular part of your job, you don't get taken to the cleaners. I remember a book that uh, came out uh, about 20 years ago, uh, Jack Welsh, and he was talking about something similar of how to run a business where the buck stops here for your corporation. You should know um, everything about everything in your business. And, you know, he had his detractors as well as his, um, uh, his, his tribe. And they even talked about Dave Thomas from Wendy's fame. And how he had done the same thing uh, when he was running Wendy's, when he was alive, and on and on. And so we, we started to see a little bit way back then when Jack Welsh was talking about uh, GE and how he trained the people coming up under him to be these jack-of-all-trades, but teaching them how to also specialize. So, okay, so let me, because I'm I'm running out of time. I feel like I'm rushed today, but I really want to make sure that in your quest for the hedge box, if there's something that you can't, you can't seem to crack, it might be because you need to get some trivial knowledge about something that's related to it to be able to pull it off. Uh, I, I remember, uh, when I was a kid, they were talking about athletes taking dance classes. And at the time, especially like football players. And at the time, uh, people were laughing because they were like, you're taking dance classes. But then what they found out was that uh, for a lot of athletes who only trained a certain way, the muscle memory would be challenged when they'd have to do certain types of agility and flexibility. And taking those movement classes helped them. 
Well, then after that, these football players started getting into stoicism, which is nothing to do with the body and everything to do with self-restraint of the mind. And they started learning to grasp onto stoicism so that they could strengthen their mental abilities to not only be focused, but to be unriled and unshaken by um the energy of the crowd when the scoreboard doesn't look like they want it to. And so there was more of that, uh, more of becoming a hedge fox. So um, the books that I have mentioned today, Curious is the book if you want to see how uh, they talked about becoming a hedge fox. And they even give examples, uh, politicians in the book, but I don't talk about politics here, so I'm not going to mention them. But in the book, he does. He does a great job of this whole concept of being a hedge fox. In the book, Deep Work, where Cal Newport talks about how to be focused in a, in a distracted world, he gives you uh, ways to be able to handle all the trivial stuff that you got to get done while you're still being focused on the task that either you, you were hired to do or the task that you are committed to do. And then my old one that I always, you know, talk about because it is really pivotal is PEAK, uh, how the new science of expertise and how Dr. Erickson talks about deliberate practice as opposed to purposeful practice and how deliberate practice, um, it helps you to get feedback. So it's not just you doing something, it's you doing something, but you're including others to get feedback on that. And then one of the granddaddies of them, Flow, from uh, uh, Professor Mihai Chinksink Mihai on uh, how you get in the zone. That was the book that he talked about. So where he called it flow, it was the zone. So he was the one that originated that, what the zone meant. And he talked about how to get into high skill level, where you're in high skill level with high challenge to be in the flow. And then the thing that I wanted to just summarize this with is that it is okay if you specialize. It is okay if you are a generalist, but it is powerful if you, in your specialty, you become able to have a general understanding of the world around you. It will only make you better. So that's it for today. My time is up. Yep, I'm going to thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. So you know what to do. Like, share, review, comment, rate, and follow us and uh, support this podcast, if you will, by using our Amazon links. Um, If you want to just help us out when you go and do your Amazon shopping, please use our link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, Please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.